Coming up on the Magnificently Huge Podcast, part two of our ongoing series about movies that copy Star Wars in hopes of grabbing the magic and failing miserably. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crab all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. Oh, hey, listener. Welcome to another rousing episode of the Magnificently Huge Podcast. This is episode 87. This is Chris, your erstwhile host this time out. I'll be joined by Brian and Eric, the other two-thirds of the Magnificently Huge team, for what is essentially part two of our ongoing series of movies that want to be Star Wars, but are not. Most definitely not Star Wars. Uh, so this is the movies that came out in the direct wake of Star Wars in the late 70s, early 80s, that uh, really just cashed in on the whole zeitgeist. And that's pretty much the only criteria that we're working with. They're movies that are either outright copies of Star Wars, or they take very liberal elements of the Star Wars saga and pepper them in. Uh, or it's just a flat out, hey, uh, Star Wars made a lot of money. Let's uh, cash in on that because people are hungry for it. That's pretty much the, the gist. So you follow me? You with me? We got three movies on tap that we think foot the bill, and we can't believe they are not Star Wars. So thanks for stopping by. We hope you enjoy the show. Uh, if you like what you hear, send us an email to magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you, your thoughts, your ideas, general nonsense. We just enjoy hearing from you all the time. Uh, you can also catch us on Twitter, at MagHuge. We're on Facebook, Magnificently Huge Podcast. We're on Instagram, Magnificently Huge Podcast. Just head on over. Like us, share us, rate us. Uh, you can find us on iTunes. You can find us on uh, SoundCloud, Stitcher, basically wherever podcasts are purveyed. And lastly, uh, we do have a website, maghuge.com where you can just find all of the show links and things that uh, make the world go around. So, thanks for uh, stopping by. Hope you enjoy the show. I can't believe it's not Star Wars Part 2, Attack of the Clones. You see what we did there? That's funny. Huh, yeah. Alright, thanks. Luke, I am your father. Shut up, you Wait. old man! Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And may the 4th be with you, everybody! Uh, This is the May the 4th recording of this particular not Star Wars episode. Uh, I would also like to add that it's the second anniversary of the Magnificently Huge podcast. Can you believe that? It's the way white people have co-opted Cinco de Mayo. (laughs) Yeah, we're co-opting May the 4th, which is about as made up a fucking holiday as ever there was one. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're right. It's this is yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so hi everybody. Uh, uh, this is the magnificently huge podcast. I'm Brian. This is Chris. Eric. Uh, happy second <laughs> birthday, y'all. So yeah, two years yeah. of this podcast. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, and yet we still have nothing to talk about. Oh, the and, memories. And only so many <laughs> listeners. I mean, a lot of podcasts by, you know, who've been almost weekly for two straight years have, have big followings. And we have, I mean, we have a following. A following. Yeah. yeah. But 
We could always use more, so, you know, rate the podcast. And it. to give you an Come idea on. how great this podcast is, here's a quick 30-second uh, bumper reel of all of our best moments over the last two years. Go! <laughs> that that bumper was made by Eric, yeah. who doesn't normally edit the podcast, but he edited that. I yeah. have I have a we feeling it was video, so yeah. I can get moments like this where Brian's <laughs> eyes bug out. What? <laughs> Fuck you! I have a I'm feeling it was that. I have a feeling it was just the elevator music from Blues Brothers again. Oh no, it was the cricket sound effect. So yeah, yeah, I ain't doing that. Eat me, Eric. Well, okay. uh, we would like to thank everybody that is listening now. Uh, we're not in this for the fandom. We're just in it because we hate our lives and we need something to fill the time. I do it because I need a hobby. <laughs> yeah, really? It's good. It's good. As here's here's the deal, folks. Chris, Eric, and I were friends back in high school, and now our entire friendship is this podcast. And I'm not <laughs> really? exaggerating. Yeah. yeah. Well, we live in different cities. It's not like we can go get have beers. Yeah. You know? So, Thank God. I think I would bore of you guys really fast if we were like spending all our time together. Yeah, no shit. Because <laughs> I know me, and I know you would get tired of me in that. Though in Austin, you know all the great barbecue places, and and that was num a num, num a num. I visited Chris, and 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 he took me out yeah. for barbecue. Yeah. So, uh, I, yeah, welcome to the show. This is uh, our second not Star Wars themed episode, and our third. Uh, Star Wars Day episode that will be released yes. after Star Wars Day. Because we can't get those dates right. Yeah, because uh, scheduling and stuff. Right. Uh, did we want to do anything prior to g- jumping in? Absolutely. We mm-hmm. we uh, we usually do fresh a segment it. where we talk about... <laughs> yeah! This shit is fresh! Oh, shit. I said it. All right. Did you hear me? Did you hear me, mommy? I said it. I think it's time to just go home now. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Since you're so excited, Eric, what's your fresh shit? Yeah, I don't have anything. Oh, um, yeah. I watched uh, uh, Forever. I got through Forever. I've talked about Forever. Okay, I'm not doing talking about Forever again. Um, Forever. Oh yeah, Hannah. That's right. There's a an Amazon series called Hannah that's based on the movie Hannah, uh, about a little girl who's trained by her father to be an assassin in the middle of the snowy woods, and the movie was pretty good. the The series is basically dragging out the movie, and everyone loves it, and I don't. That's basically, you know, it's boring, it's long, it's tired. I don't care for it, don't so, watch it. So it's like it. a lot of these streaming series where it's like, yeah. we had about three hours worth of story, and here's 12 hours worth yeah. of series. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Uh-huh. And like every and, Eric review, it's parts of it I liked, and others I didn't. There was not enough violence. It's supposed to be a little girl who kicks the <laughs> shit out of people, and I'm like, where's all that? Yeah, but it wasn't. Um, there's that, and... That's it. I'm cutting it short because I've got so much to say about this week's topic. All right. <laughs> okay. So, Hannah, yes, don't got? do it. Uh, very little. Uh, I'm finishing up reading Good Omens by Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett because uh, the Amazon series is on its way in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, Eric had, I'm looking forward to that. Eric had read it earlier this year and had sort of said it was lackluster the second time I don't time think it around. holds up. Yeah. And and that's the thing, is I would agree with you, having now read it again, it's I still like it, 
it's still enjoyable, but it doesn't have the same zip that it did the first time I read it. I think I figured it out. It is a primer for Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman. If you yeah. have never read anything of theirs and you start with this, you go, ooh, it's, yeah. it's a good reason to start it's, reading their other it's stuff. Fun. But, but they've both done better. Yeah. Basically, it's if you've never heard of or read Good Omens, it's basically as if uh, Douglas Adams wrote The Omen. That's pretty mm. much it. So it's all about the the Armageddon coming and the the child of Christ black whatever the antichrist uh gets mixed up as a, a baby and winds up in the care of just a normal family and so isn't raised to destroy the earth yeah. and then it kind of just spirals out from there uh there's so, this great part where the three demons are meeting in the beginning to talk about the evil deeds they've done to capture souls and the the two demons are talking about i got a man to lust after his wife or you know his wife neighbor i got mine to do this you know it's like real little middle ages shit and the demon of our story is like i fucked up the m1 freeway so that everyone's <laughs> going to have a really slow way to work and so thousands of people at once are going to curse god <laughs> yeah it's basically yeah he's a, a a demon that's all about microaggressions it's good yeah uh, so and that's the guy that david Tennant's gonna play yeah yeah, yeah. oh i'm even more excited Crowley. about that then so it's it's right. got moments and it's still fun but yeah it it definitely doesn't hold up like american gods uh or any of the other stuff that yeah. uh, they've done singly flatland yeah. uh so, so is it flatland is that the terry pratchett novel uh discworld discworld yeah, yeah, yeah. it's called flatland yeah flatland is the is the one about multi-dimensional the mathematical yeah. world yeah by, by, yeah by abbott uh so it's fun uh but i will agree with eric that it's not as good as it once was so i'm looking forward to the show because that's a whole different media uh, and they should be able to have some fun with it. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And they though. are sticking with the conceit that any tape player left in a car long enough becomes queen. <laughs> it's queen. Tapes. Yeah, it's good. That's great. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, and then really the only other thing I've been catching up on is uh, they converted what we do in the shadows into a TV show on FX uh, adapted. Oh, has that started? Yeah. It's been on for like almost two months now. Uh, How is it? It's good. It's fun. It's definitely grown on me, but it's adapted by Jermaine Clement and Taika Waititi. Uh, so it's the same feel. It's Are just still in New Zealand. No, it's, it's set a whole a, around a whole new crew of vampires that live in Staten Island. Uh, uh-huh. And Matt Barry is one of them. Uh, and I love him in just about anything, so that's fun. Um, he was in uh, Mighty Boosh. He was in IT Crowd. He was in Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. He's Toast of London. Anyway, uh, he's just got a very distinctive voice and uh, very dry. Uh, and it's uh, the movie is honestly better overall, I think, just because it was fresh. And this one sometimes felt a little forced but as the episodes have gone on it's gotten much better and it's very funny but i think the best part is that one of the vampires that lives with him is a guy named colin and he's an energy vampire and his whole thing is he is so obnoxiously boring that he will drone on and on and on to suck the living <laughs> the living energy out of you and that's how he feeds and so he's just this milk toast douchey uh just nerd <laughs> that, he, that none of them want to be around because he just will start sucking their life force. Uh, so that's, <laughs> so that one's kind of fun. So Colin, uh, so I want to know, 
Um, originally, before this series was announced, they were going to make a sequel to uh, What We Do in the Shadows about the, the, the werewolves, werewolves called yeah. Weir Wolves. Yeah. And I don't know if that's still on. I or if don't this is know. Because they do a, a whole episode centered around the feud be- between the vampires and the werewolves. That's fun. Uh, but I don't know if they're pursuing that or not. Maybe they're testing the waters with this thing. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. But overall, it's it's still amusing. It's still fun, and it still gives a couple of good laughs per episode. Uh, so it's you know, it is what it is. But it sounds like you're you're good enough if you've just watched the movie and and you can yeah. Not I mean, really it's bother with the it's an extension of the movie, so it's sort of it, it's just like gravy basically. It's Do just, the characters from the movie ever cameo? No, not yet. Okay, so it's a whole set of new vampires just doing their thing in Staten Island. But it's fun. But like Nick Kroll shows up in one episode in a cameo as one of the other vampires that they came over to America with. Uh, and he's sort of modern and hip and has sort of figured out how to do the 21st century while the rest of them are still rooted in like 18th century. Uh, so it's that's sort of the fish out of water vibe. So it's fun. But uh, watch the movie first, definitely. Yeah. And, you know, la la. And that's you like Thor Ragnarok watched the movie. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, really. Well, White mm-hmm. Taiwa Titi is some just genius. Yeah, he he directed the pilot. Uh, I think that was his involvement. He's a producer, and then Jermaine Clement uh, does most of it. So it's it's that vibe. So if you like Flight of the Concords and you like uh, the stuff that Waititi has done, then this is your your bag, man. Your bag of vampires. All right. Yeah. Is that it for you then? That's it. I have not done dick in the last week or two. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Your turn. Um, so, there's another big time travel story from the last week that's not Avengers Endgame. And that is Mortal Kombat 11. Oh, I was going to ask you game? if you played it. Yeah. That is a game. Oh, is, that the, is that the Ronda Rousey thing that yes. everyone's complaining about? <laughs> the Ronda Rousey <laughs> thing isn't worth complaining about. She's, yeah. she's doing the character of Sonya Blade, but whatever. Um, Mortal Kombat 11 is here, everybody. And yeah, they use time travel as an excuse to basically have characters, old school Mortal Kombat characters and their new school variants uh, fight each other. So there's like young douchey Johnny Cage fighting old douchey Johnny Cage. <laughs> so he's still douchey, um, basically. Well, he's he's a different kind of douchey. Okay. You know, yeah, well, any dude he, that he, puts his name tattooed across his fucking abdomen is kind of douchey. In my opinion. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's... Um, every, every time with Mortal Kombat, I'm like, I can skip this one, and then something happens that gets me into it anyway, you know? Uh, this time, time it was a, a beta out, they demo. Pull me back yep. in. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. Can you pull out spines and stuff? Still, I hear of it's still stupid you can pull violent. Out spines. Right? Yeah. Oh, it's exceedingly violent. Like it's way more violent than it's been, and it's been pretty violent. Yeah. Well, um, that's always been its least, bag. Yeah. They they finally like got their character models figured out though. Like some some character artists at NetherRealm used to make characters that were just like wrongly proportioned they just looked freaking wrong and they finally got characters that kind of look believable as as humans which is nice okay um and yeah they have they have fun with the time travel character so you're our big bad now is this new character named chronica and when she fatalities you 
she tears you in half and then rewinds time, puts you back together and tears you in half a different way and then keeps doing that over and over. <laughs> and then smokes you in a blunt. Yeah. Yeah. Because she's Chronica. Oh, but yeah. I get it. It's funny. Yeah. Okay. Eric got a million of them today. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know what to say about Mortal Kombat 11. It's Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Uh, it's it's really well polished. I like it is better it, than is the it last one. playing? I haven't enjoyed a fighter since my 20s. I hear it's good, honestly. It's it's good, but I've also kind of gone back and revisited like the old ones on on the Genesis and the Super Nintendo and stuff. And I'm just better at pulling off the moves on on like the Genesis or the Super Nintendo. I don't know if those controls were more forgiving or if I've just got the muscle memory for it or what. But oh yeah, like the timing is is different. It's it's not as fast. Can as you it used to play be. it with your feet? That's the no. big question. Why would you do that? <laughs> I don't. I vaguely remember being forced to play Virtua Fighter Two with my toes and beating somebody, and then <laughs> everybody was amazed. I remember uh, on the Sega Dreamcast there was a video of a kid who uh, what was the fighter on there that was Soul Caliber. He beat yeah. Soul Caliber just with the fishing controller, and not even with the tilting or <laughs> casting nice. mechanism, just the buttons on the fishing controller. Yeah. Can you do that on Mortal Kombat Eleven? He says menacingly. Uh, Probably not, okay. Because I don't think there's a fishing controller, but you know, okay. <laughs> uh, Mortal Kombat 11. It's it's really quite good. I mean, it, it, I, Eric, if you're looking for a you know a fighting game, which I don't think you are, no. Um, uh, you could do worse. I would actually recommend Injustice 2. Same company, but they they first of all, you can probably find it for free or cheap. Uh, I think it's on that Game Pass. Um, but it's the DC superheroes beating the holy shit out of each other. Yeah. Um, for, for Mortal Kombat, what I do is, again, I go on YouTube and I look up fatalities and then there's somebody who has made a video of all of the fatalities in the game so that you don't have to play it. You can just yep. watch all the destruction and, uh, masturbate. <laughs> well, there's, that's okay. out there for you, Eric. There's more fatalities for you to masturbate to. Yeah. It's like... <laughs> The police will be coming shortly, so get to it. A quiet Um, Paul falls over the podcast. Uh, uh, So, all right, moving on. Um, Yeah, top that. I've got a... I've got a a musical for you, and that is I went and saw the touring company of Wicked. Um, How was that? You know what? It's it's good. It... ah, ah. <laughs> I'm spoiled. Good. At this point, I'm spoiled on Broadway musicals because I don't know what it is about Wicked. It has absolutely everything you would want in a big, expensive Broadway musical. Yeah. And yet, for some reason, I don't put it in the absolute top tier of the ones I've been watching, and I well, and I don't know why. Have you read the the book that it's based on? There was a book. No. Yeah. The, the basically the novel. And the conceit is that it's the story of the Wicked Witch of the West. Uh, and yeah, why, this and how is she, why they made Maleficent. Everybody, yeah. it's you know, and it's telling. Yeah, oh, I was just say it's just her uh, evolution into the meanie that we see in Wizard of Oz. Uh, well, she's never really the meanie. It's just that she's yeah. perceived as being. So Wicked is actually about propaganda. The whole play is about you know reality is defined by whoever gets to tell the story. Yeah, and uh, and they use it to their own ends. And so there's this whole subplot about how um, 
the animals in Oz who can talk are being modified so that they can't talk anymore, and they're like the that's the other, that's the racist scapegoat of Oz in this play. And I think that was the reason why I had trouble with it was if I had watched Wicked five years ago, I would have watched a very different play than the Wicked I saw in today's America because it's like, you know, it's one of those things like, oh, look, you know, we're better than this. You know, we, we know better than to fall for this kind of nasty othering propaganda. No, we fucking are not better than that. Like, it's it, it's really unsettling. <laughs> yeah. It's a fake news allegory. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit, yeah. I'm going to see that in a couple months. We've got our tickets, and I have thought, I I haven't seen it before. I'm afraid it's been so hyped, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm going to have the same reaction as you. It's just overhyped. It's like anything that's acclaimed that widely and that long can't be so, that good. Eric, I'm calibrating your expectations. It is good. It's not life-changing, and that propaganda thing will bug you. Okay. Um, <laughs> and for God's sake, tell don't you, read the book. <laughs> I, I can tell you this. Um, the, the woman who's playing the, the role of the, I can't remember her name, Idina Menzel role, mm-hmm. uh, she can definitely sing it. Uh, but the woman who plays Glinda, the good witch, uh, had played the role on Broadway. The one She's in the touring company. She's mm-hmm. awesome. Mm. She is fucking great. Um, so there's some, there's some great performances. There's some cool effects. Um, the costuming is, is spot on. Um, the stagecraft is there. It's all there. I think maybe I'm lacking like one big dance number or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but... It it's a good show, and I get why it's some people's favorite show. It's 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 right up there. It, okay, I just I I'm just super spoiled and picky now because I know everybody said I was really going to enjoy that. You know, a funny thing happened on the way to the Hamlet, whatever that was, and mm-hmm. I just did not care for it. So I'm yeah, crossing go, my fingers. Go in expecting a three star musical, and maybe you'll have a good time. Cool. <laughs> okay, and that's my fresh it. All right, so and for some reason we keep wallowing in terrible stuff uh, from the past on this podcast. It's kind of been our theme this year. Yeah, I don't like podcasts that talk about good movies because that makes <laughs> me go, I should just go watch the good movie. Yeah. And it's- okay, but here's the thing. I think Eric got the best of the three movies we picked. <laughs> Do you, I'm, though? I'm concerned. I disagree. I think, I think Chris did. Uh, we're going to get into this. So, yeah. so the theme here is... Um, I can't believe it's not Star Wars. These are the movies that were trying to cash in on the Star Wars craze and, frankly, the the scarcity of the Star Wars movies. And um, we did one of these a few months back where we talked about Battle Beyond the Stars and, God, I don't even remember what yeah, else so we talked to. This is really, I still can't believe it's not Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This, is, this is episode two, Attack of the Clones. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and... and so yeah. So did we establish ground rules for these things in the first one we did, or is it just if basically? Did, I don't recall them. I think it's just basically movies that uh, are 
coming along in the wake of Star Wars and They're trying to cash in. Unabashedly yeah. rip-offs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in some form or fashion, either they're they're outright stealing elements wholesale, or they're just getting enough of the flavor to kind of capture that. Yeah, yeah they're they're like they're like you know when when the drug dealer uh, cuts the you know cuts the cocaine with flour or something. And it's like you know hey yeah um, I know you're a junkie and I know you want your fix. And here is a substandard product, but but suck it up, you fucking whore. Yeah. yeah. One of the rules is that it has to actually be substandard because I would I would I would say that Alien was one of these movies too, but it was actually really goddamn good. So yeah. you can't say it's a Star Wars knockoff, but one that works. These are the ones that did not. Yeah. And and I think Alien is a weird example just because it is its own thing, because it was one of the first to really tackle the space horror thing and then become something that other movies clone. So that's an interesting element all in its own. Uh, But the ones that we've been dealing with and we'll talk about today are just, they're, they're not good. Not not even <laughs> remotely <right>. good. <laughs> Can we dispense with mine? Because mine sucks. Yeah, it's let's not even do like it fast, sucks in a, in a know about it. funny way. Yeah. Did um, you not watch it, right. Eric? Uh, I only watched mine. I didn't okay. know that we had to watch each other's. No, you don't. You I don't, don't have think. to, but but I did just because I wanted to know what was going on. Uh, okay, so uh, I watched space raiders yes <laughs> you do and i watched it too you bastard i'm so sorry uh so space raiders is roger corman's firefly yeah um <laughs> it, it is oh okay so roger corman had produced battle beyond the stars before this and then he like sold new line pictures do yeah he world whatever he sold he sold was, new, new world, world and then had like a a five picture deal to produce uh for whatever entity bought them and so he yeah. formed millennium pictures which is his production company for this right uh, so he shits this thing out and <laughs> yeah it's a it's a different space movie in which everybody dies but he completely recycles the special effects and music <laughs> from battle beyond the stars like that fucking oh. uterus ship shows up again from battle beyond oh, the yeah. stars Christ! Yeah, all of this, all of this is. It, I mean, every one of the the special effect shots is is from Battle Beyond the Stars, and yeah. they pull it off to the extent that this has a cohesive plot at all. It doesn't. It doesn't. Um, they they managed to do that, but but it's just a collection of dumb fucking scenes uh, set in space. To yeah. cash in on Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. Mentioning, if you're not familiar uh. with the oeuvre of Roger Corman, he was the drive-in king who would just produce films on the basis of how cheap can I do it? And yeah. he would turn out 10 or 12 movies a year and make a profit. So his whole thing was being profitable doing schlock. Yeah. And you would occasionally accidentally get a good film out of it from a good <laughs> filmmaker like jonathan demi comes from the corman school um james cameron's name james cameron, james cameron comes, comes from, from yeah. the corman school technically james cameron did the special effects for space raiders because he did them for battle <laughs> that's true that's <laughs> yeah. true well and james horner did the music kind of oh yeah which yeah he basically recycled the same music from Battle Beyond the Stars. Yeah. So yeah, it's like, he was come kind on. of like the minor leagues yeah. for filmmakers to, you know, prove what they could do and not get paid much for it. Um, um but so yeah. 
so <sighs> so some of some of the random it's it's supposed to be a space western. Um, and some of the random ass scenes they have a shitty cantina scene. <laughs> I did write that down. Aliens. Yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. That's one of the things we can do for this show. Like lay out all of the things in it that are definitely pulled <laughs> yeah. from Star Wars. Well, what's not pulled from Star Wars is that there's a uh, a barroom brawl that breaks out, complete with pie throwing. Yeah. Oh. In 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 that same shitty cantina. But what is pulled from Star Wars, or at least pulled from the special editions is the terrible songs in the shitty cantina yeah including the the bum, bum, the classic bum. that's why my moons are blue i'll pay you I still say Greedo threw the first pie. Yeah. No, yeah, I think he did. You're correct in that regard, sir. Uh, but the gist of this is it's, uh, it starts out on a planet where these space pirates show up and steal something. And then there's a firefight that ensues with their non-laser laser guns, which, like, Logan's run territory. Yeah, they uh, just kind of shoot Roman candles yeah. and make sp- Laser sound effects. Yeah. And then there's a little kid sort of almost caught in the crossfire who jumps into the ship that they end up stealing or their ship or something. And so they wind up conspicuously trying to look like a cross between Elliot from E.T. (laughs) and the Flight of the Navigator. And this is (laughs) the best part. Old boy haircut. This is the best part. Uh, I'm watching this going, why does that kid look so familiar? And then it struck me and it's and I looked it up and it's true. It's the same kid from over the top who plays Sylvester Stallone's no. son in that. <laughs> and here's what's funny, is that in Over the Top, Stallone plays a guy named Lincoln Hawk. And in Space Raiders, oh, the main pirate guy is named Hawk. Hawk. And then I thought, oh. so basically this kid is stuck doing movies where the main guy is named <laughs> Hawk. <laughs> and my mind went, boom! Uh. So, yeah, there's, the, the plot is inconsequential. It's, some, it's all about this kid stowing away and then he's like there's an evil corporation and he's a corporation kid so i guess he's valuable and all the the space raider you know scum and villainy sea ways to profit so there's 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 two bounty hunters who are essentially the wet bandits from home alone (laughs) that's true um, that's true who who are trying to capture the kid and take him to the corporation for payday and they die everybody fucking dies everybody dies yeah it's amazing but unlike Battle Beyond the Stars, which was based on the Seven Samurai, everybody dies in this movie for no good reason. Um, they just and the, and the death scenes and the, even the action scenes are yeah. so badly acted. Like well, sp- holy yeah. fuck! Well, speaking of the the dying, so when the pirates get away from that first deal, uh, and one of them has a mortal wound, and so there's this whole scene where they're trying to save him, and then the guy dies, and that's when the kid shows up and says, "Can you take me home?" Uh, and that sets the the story proper in motion. But I think at that point, that's when I wrote down: Is it better to be the guy who dies at the beginning of one of these movies, or yes. or is it better to be the guy that works the whole movie and then dies? I mean, it just doesn't make any sense either way. So, so it's it's a movie about um, these bounty hunters corrupting this kid. So basically, they teach him how to be a stone cold killer by by teaching him 
to say, God damn rocks, I hate <laughs> yeah. rocks. Yeah, and he, then shoot he, the rocks, and then they give him a beer. Have a beer, shot. God damn rocks! They give this little kid a beer after he blows up some rocks. He literally is a stone cold killer. Yeah. Oh! Thanks for that, Oh, Brian. I get it. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, there's, nothing, there's nothing to say about this movie. It, it's stupid. It, it's lacking in acting. It's lacking in everything. Yeah. Uh, there's, it's, there's, there's one great line at the end. Hawk says, guys like me don't die. We're either too tough or too dumb. <laughs> what the hell does that mean? <laughs> what that, the that hell does that pretty mean? Pretty much sums up, and then he dies. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh wait, no, actually, no, he doesn't no, die. He Hawk, drops. Hawk he lives. drops the kid off, and then shoots off into space. Who cares? Uh, um, I the only. S- the only thing I have to say that's good about this movie is it is a triumph of proving the value of editing because you can take all of the special effects shots from another movie and all the music from another movie and actually make you know, with some voiceover, make some sense of a completely different series of events through the magic of yeah, editing. It's Just relatively cohesive. Star Trek 2. That's true. That's true. All the effects from Star Trek 1. Uh, but for this one, the, the thing that struck me is that, okay, and this is my actual note, I said ship lasers pew pew, because every time a ship <laughs> fires, you actually get the laser blast, and it's fun. And but, it's the same shot over yeah. and over and over, like Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, but handheld lasers, no pew pew. That's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> it's like no so, pew pew, no pew pew for the hand lasers. Yeah, it was dumb. Uh, I will say the saving grace was when Dick Miller showed up very briefly as a used spaceship salesman. On oh, a, Crazy on Mel! A, yeah, Crazy Mel on a like an intergalactic TV ad. Uh, That's right. I wanted more of Crazy Mel. I wanted more of Crazy Mel, but that he's wasn't. He's got to this be. big round helmet. Like, yeah, it's like, come on, man. He's just a he's just a used car salesman with a big round like helmet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but there's not really anything to say about this movie. I mean, it no. doesn't even it doesn't even rank on box office mojo for 1983. Uh, yeah, I tried to look it up too. <laughs> I mean, there's like no there's no, no information totals. at all. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's just it's about as derivative as you can get. Uh, I mean, it's just beyond it's to the Corman. It really, really is. You you definitely hit the nail on the head for for that one. I bet you. I bet you it made a profit. I bet you this is exactly oh, what I'm Roger sure Corman did. wanted. It cost he just, nothing, it sounds yeah, like. Yeah. He just shot it like in a weekend with a bunch of people on some sets that were already there in, in a big warehouse, edited it all together, probably shit it out for, you know, uh, 500 grand and made his money back. Like, yeah. Well, yeah. I all mean, he had to he, do was sell the cable rights. Yeah. I mean, he'd already sold his movie company for like 16 something million or whatever it was. And so he just rolled that into the five pictures that he had to produce. And then this was one of them. So it's just, yeah. But the fact that he had all that shit lying around from Battle Beyond the Stars, and he's just like, yeah, we'll just throw it together, whatever. Ah, uh, just irritating. <laughs> so what, what Star Wars elements did it have? What Star Wars elements? Yeah. Like the, uh, the definitely cantina. cantina scene. You had, uh, they had the, the big spacey battle uh, at the I end. Mean, Hawk is Han Solo, basically. Yeah. Uh, uh, um, um, they had an alien guy who was telepathic, which I guess could be sort of the Chewbacca type deal because he's literally the, big, the only alien. Yeah, the big corporate death ship looks kind of like a blockade runner. 
yeah. from Star Wars, but that that was just because it was footage from Battle Beyond the Stars. Um, eh. yeah, okay. it's just well, then I, my turn. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? Uh, Ice Pirates. <laughs> yeah. Ice Pirates, and, and this is a movie that was a big deal when we were in grade school, and I didn't get it then, and I don't get it now. Everyone was always like, The Ice Pirates is such a great movie. It's it's not. It is very bad. It came out in 84, so we were in seventh grade. I, I don't know why I think, it, well, that's kind of grade school. Kind of. Uh, but I remember, yeah, everybody being into this, The Ice Pirates, and I will not call it Ice Pirates, because they insist on being called The Ice Pirates. <laughs> and you gotta have the is, article. Yeah, it's it's uh, uh well well the cast alone I think is, is the saving <laughs> grace because I've always been a fan of Robert Urich. I I don't think he got a fair shake. His TV shows were great and he's the Han Solo like guy. And he's got to get um well actually that's the that's another thing. It's it's 90 minutes long. The plot doesn't actually start until 60 minutes. <laughs> yeah, basically. Basically. Of jackassery. Yeah. And it kind of goes in reverse of the Star Wars uh, 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 plot. Where well, what's they, so- they start at the big, like, evil empire thing. Yeah. They escape. They run away to the desert planet. Um, Mary Crosby is a princess, so she is the Princess Leia. Yeah. Um, this is all after Empire, so they're stealing a lot from Empire as yeah, well. Yeah, what's funny to me is I was watching it, and like especially her character, I just started drifting off and thinking about Daphne Zuniga in Spaceballs. Yeah, and, a lot of Spaceballs in this, yeah, too. Yeah, and, and the stuff that they did that was better uh, by yeah. a long shot uh, Well, because she has a nanny, and the nanny is is totally... Joan Rivers from Spaceballs. <laughs> yeah, it's, and it's it made so me weird. wonder what exactly are they ripping off. Ah, uh, but uh, so that and Bruce Valanche is in it <laughs> yes. as a sort of bad guy, <laughs> but really just really just the token gay to make fun of. Yeah, um, and there's a lot of Angelica lot of, Houston. Yeah, Angelica Houston. Yeah, I couldn't understand why he was lusting after this princess. You got Angelica Houston right mm. there, and yeah. she's in her prime, and and she chops things, and she's a badass. Yeah. I like. I think. I think this one she probably did right before Preeti's on her, and then because yeah. after that she was pretty much a thing, and I don't know if she really wants this on her resume or. not. Well, I also have a feeling that she was already on set and in the same costume, so they asked her to be in Captain EO. Uh, <laughs> okay, that's true. Uh, uh, but and let's see, there's uh, Ron Perlman. Uh, Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman. Yeah, looking eh, like a young Ron Perlman. Yeah. But, okay. Here's let me the, the the number of things to take issue with with this film, and it's funny they're all of their time. You know, it's like. There's there's a guy who calls another guy the N word and it's a joke. Yeah, it's, that it's was for a funny moment. That, I found that jarring as well. I, yeah. I kind of sat up in my chair and went, "Wait, a, what?" Yeah, and me then, too. And then I it was, was kind of over. Off and I went, "Whoa!" Yeah, <laughs> that was eighty uh, four. Everybody. Yeah, might yeah. add that was in their their cantina scene. Uh, FYI, there's there's let's see, uh, it's got. Uh, music video special effects. There's a couple of times where they're at a party and it's a total Xanadu moment. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it reminded but, me of like a, a Buck Rogers scene 
yeah, from like yeah. the TV show. It had that sort of production value about it. And the space effects were all Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the sets I recognized from Logan's run. Well, and it's just and like... the sp- costumes, they're all dressed up like pirates and knights because they're totally trying to stay yeah. with this pirate concept, but in the yeah. most unoriginal possible way. Well, like, and that's literally suits of armor. Yeah. And the <laughs> thing is with uh, just like Space Raiders, no pew-pew, uh, they use swords. Yeah. It's like you're in until space. They don't. Until they, they don't. They yeah. laser guns, and they use them <laughs> oh, on occasion. So but dumb. mostly, they have robots that they have fight each other. So they've got, like, yeah. each side has robots, and they chop. And, and they have kung fu robots, which I remembered yeah. from the trailer, and that always captured my imagination as a kid. Because uh, I was living in New Mexico at the time in this small town, and it never came to the theaters there. So I saw the trailer and got really jazzed to see it, and then it never came, and I was always yeah. really super upset about that. And I think if I'd have seen it when I was 13, I'd have probably loved it. Yeah, I think you would have. But uh, sadly, I never did. Here's, well, it, here's it's a horny funny. movie, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the funny story about uh, Ice Pirates, though. It was made by MGM, and it was supposed to be a, a drama. It was supposed to be a, well, not a drama, a straight sci-fi film. Right. And you can see they don't have a bad concept. The idea that there's not enough water left in the known universe. And so they have Mad so Max people in space. Yeah. pirate, you know, other ships and steal their water. Makes sense. But then MGM uh, uh, went bankrupt and their new owner or their receiver, whomever <laughs> was in control, they, they put a cap on all movies of $8 million. It was originally budgeted at $20 million, which for 1983 dollars, that's a lot. And so they're down to eight million. Then they had a producer who embezzled a lot of the money, so they <laughs> yeah, that's didn't true. even have that. There was a whole end scene with the ship flying over Malibu Beach that had to be cut because they didn't have the money, and they didn't tell them. And then they were like, "How do we save this movie now that we have all of our budget cut?" And they're like, "Well, make it a comedy." So they wrote in lots of comedy bits, like an alien on the shitter yeah. when they break into the, wah, the wah. ship and. Well, and, uh, the, and this the one's robot pimp, yeah, the robot, robot pimp. pimp saying, "Let's go, blood." Yeah. You know, like, yo, blood. I got some titties. You want some titties? <laughs> hey, blood. Y'all want pump some titties? <laughs> yeah. At one point, their ship has space herpes. Yeah. Not just herpes; they call it space herpes. Yeah. There's, there's another alien who pulls an enormous alien booger out of his alien nose. It's like that's the level of humor. Well, I would also to like to there. add for uh, for Brian that one of the guys that wrote it. There was the director, Stuart Raffle, and then his co-writer is a guy named Stanford Sherman, who also wrote Crawl. So there's your, there's your pedigree. <laughs> there's your pedigree. Yeah, it was. Uh, and I wreck. still contend that the script for, for Crawl actually works, but Un- it, unlike as, this one. as filmed and edited, not so yeah. much. Well, the, the one fun thing about this movie is that at one point they go into a space warp where like <laughs> a minute is a year or something and yeah. they're getting gradually older and eventually <laughs> they're like old people with, with white beards and white hair. And for some yeah. reason, the like I said, there's a lot of black jokes in this that are really just, you know, off-putting. Na- yeah, very off-putting. That's a, that's the right word. Even as a white person, I'm watching this and I'm going, I'm offended. Yeah. But the the African American character, as he gets older, his you know his hair is white, but his afro gets bigger and bigger and bigger, 
and that's the joke that he has an even larger afro and i'm like really dude <laughs> yeah the it's- one the one intro the one part though that I, as i say i found interesting robert urich ends up having a a gratuitous sex scene with this princess and then they hit this space warp and she's pregnant and then she gives birth and then they have a son and then they get older and older and older and at one point just when everything is lost this son who's now grown up and played by robert urich jumps mm-hmm. in and saves the day and i was like that's well done <laughs> yeah it, it did harken back to something like a star trek episode uh in the way that it was pieced together but yeah. they they rushed it because it's i guess a time warp and they had to fit it all in but yeah was- and all of these starship sets are like warehouses because they're cheaper it's at one point a mm-hmm. guy is climbing up a ladder at, you know like the guard spots them and like goes and climbs up a ladder and they're like you know get him we can't have him set off the alarm whatever yeah. the point is when they show him climbing to the top of a ladder it's an extendable ladder that you can get at Lowe's. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, it's a fucking ladder ladder. Yeah, it's the same problem that Space Raiders had. It's basically all their sets, by and large, are just existing industrial warehouses and things. Yeah. You uh, get the feeling when they were looking for how to produce this on a shoestring, they went to Roger Corman and said, please help. Basically, said, well, yeah. what you do. Yeah. Yeah. And then this, the actual sets that they do build for these... Uh, scenes just look so cheap it's Plus just tv sets and led lights yeah it's just come on man come on yeah so uh so uh, let's see they uh, uh robert urich had had like a pick a multiple picture deal with mgm so they they said let's use him here so that we can you know work on getting some product out with robert urich <laughs> yeah, burn that contract yeah um <laughs> that football player mad Zersik, i can never remember his name Oh the, yeah, he, uh, Matusik. Yeah, he played uh, what's his face in uh, Goonies. Goonies. Yeah, the next year he, he's in this because one of the producers met him and thought, "Yeah, I like him. He could be in movies." Yeah. It's like that kind of nineteen eighties level of <laughs> nobody's yeah. really it, working here. <laughs> it, it really had the same vibe as uh, Space Hunter, which is the one we talked about last time because it's the same era. Like yeah. Metal Storm and Space Hunter all that, where they just all of the the sets and the like the vehicles and things are all just sort of look like they're cobbled together at the last minute. Like yeah. they just said, Oh shit, we're filming tomorrow. We need something right now. And then and then they pull an all nighter. What I think is funny though is that with Corman movies, that's by design. And here they, they were suddenly going oh, oh, oh we we, we <laughs> now what yeah. <laughs> i would like to see a making of film made of this film of everybody going well wouldn't that i be guess we something? should shut down production we won't shut down production we're gonna make this shit happen yeah mm-hmm. well i also like the uh, cotton balls we need to figure out bro <laughs> yeah. yeah i did like the uh the eight bit graphic uh shoot 'em up thing where they had to like protect the ship and it was yeah, like an Atari space invaders. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then I could think, all I could think of was Brian just going, Oh, and just shaking your head. <laughs> Cause it's just so, I mean, even for this movie, it's so out of context. It's like, come on. Yeah. Oh, let me put it like this. There's better computer graphics in space Raiders. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> and it, that was a year earlier. Oh, it would just, although yeah. at the same time, Dune, came out i think the same year and they have the exact same scene of people playing video games to fight a war uh, only there it was serious i yeah. wonder if it was commentary 
I don't think it was it that smart, be. but well, it could have been. Well, I will say this. Per Box Office Mojo, Ice Pirates for the year 84 uh, came in at number 67. So it wasn't even the worst performing movie of the year. I think they actually turned a profit. Oh, yeah. They put some marketing behind it. Yeah. Uh, it did not come in ahead of Breaking 2, Electric Boogaloo, I might add. But what could? What could, honestly, except uh, 60 other movies, but that's beside yeah. the point. <laughs> The movie that would forever give us the word boogaloo. Boogaloo. Every part two is electric boogaloo. Yeah, I really wish. Magnificently huge universe. I really wish this movie would have performed better so that we could get Ice Pirates 2 electric boogaloo. I actually do believe, though, that they could, of all the things they unnecessarily reboot, this one they could do. They, okay. could, they could make an Ice Pirates <laughs> now and it would actually be good. Uh, challenge accepted. No. Yeah. Well, speaking of... In fact, actually, I I submit that uh, uh, Firefly is uh, Ice Pirates. (laughs) Boy, we're really, really tarnishing Firefly on this episode. It's a good show. I think Firefly is really just a repurposing of Ice Pirates, if I may be so bold. But it is the the same tropes of, you know... Well, sort of a space western, only yeah. maybe not pirates. Well, I think but western space raiders and ice pirates sort of share similar uh, genetic material. So yeah, it's, it's space raiders tried to be serious, and ice pirates at least <laughs> went for the goofy. Yeah, which which I'm okay with it. If you're if you're gonna be a shitty little movie in the mid '80s, go for goofy. It's fine with me. Just drop all the racism. Yeah, that's all I ask. Just drop the racism. Just that's drop all. the racism. You didn't say, it's fine. You didn't say anything about <laughs> Robert Eunuch. And oh my god, nice! Oh, yeah, nicely played, sir. There's there's a part where they're on a conveyor belt, uh, uh, to be, uh, um, 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 what's the word again? Castrated, castrated, castrated. And they do castration with a a pair of steel teeth that go chomp, chomp, chomp on your nuts. And uh, uh, but the princess is there to, you know, she's basically like, just pretend it really happened and I'll get help you escape. And, you know, so they pose as eunuchs. But the thing is, she's standing right there on the conveyor belt when she tells them this, which means she just let two or three hundred other men get their nuts bitten off and did nothing for them <laughs> yeah. because she was just waiting for, you know, Robert Urich and his pal. I was like, that's grim. Yeah. That's, I'm sorry, that is grim. What I love is they're they're tied to this conveyor belt and they're trying to start a labor uprising among the people working the factory that castrates them to get the conveyor belt to stop. They're like, workers, unite! This is, you know, you're being overworked no, and underpaid! That's just the one guy who they meet who is who really is castrated, and that's, that's what I feel really bad for. He's the one who's screaming the whole time. And then, yeah, he gets his nuts bitten off because that's hilarious. Yeah. Bottom line, uh, Ice Pirates, uh, no. Very it's, offensive. Not very just, I don't understand why people still watch. It's like a cult movie now. Yeah. Uh, and I can't figure out why. Because it's just, it's... Ugh. It was one of those ones that was on cable all the time, right? I guess. This is one where I would really love it. If someone would email us and say, I love Ice Pirates, you got it all wrong. And if you do, fuck it. We'll arrange a call-in and you can explain to <laughs> yeah, me really. why this film is so good. Uh, we can and tr- I won't even bust on you. I will give you an it. open forum and you tell me why I'm a sack of shit who doesn't get Ice Pirates. Oh, fingers crossed. Fingers yes. crossed. Oh, well, please do it. Uh, do it. <laughs> anything else to say about ice pirates no no 
<laughs> Boo. Well, yeah. uh, so we'll finish. We'll finish up then with uh, what I think is one of the gold standards of uh, not Star Wars. It's, yes. uh It comes from the Disney Company, uh, nineteen seventy nine. Oh, so it's right yes. on the heels of the Star Wars bandwagon. As it yes. just steamrolled everything before Disney was Disney. Bear in mind, it used to be before Little Mermaid that Disney made garbage, yeah. and they yeah. they could not make a good film to save their lives. They this were is seventies Disney, yeah. right? They were they were the last studio that acted like a studio, and so they <laughs> had studio performers and studio directors and studio writers and low low budgets. Yeah, and they said upon yeah. Uh, what upon this hill i will make my stand yeah <laughs> and so <laughs> star wars movie yeah so they had this property lying around for a while and after star wars hit that's when they said oh well we really need to get on this and so they reworked everything uh and got the black hole yes. uh which is just uh I I was so bored watching this thing. Good God, it is so goddamn slow. You, I mean, I was not prepared for that because it's just this I, meditative, uh, pseudoscience-y talk, 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 and then here's a robot that's obviously designed to sell toys to the kids, and then yeah. he and then he's super violent and sadistic. It's like what the ah. Uh. So yeah, I remember loving this as a kid yes. and watching it years later and loving it again. And <laughs> I, I remember like being in kindergarten and writing a a black hole two comic for a school assignment. Yeah, I was <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice. Do you it still have it? Bad. Oh God, no. I'm oh, embarrassed this bad. exists. That's too bad. Okay. I I I love the cast. Robert Forster is still one of my favorite actors. Yeah. Anthony Perkins is still one of my favorite actors. Ernest Borgnine. Ernest Borgnine, yeah, I can go, you know, uh, give it Yvette, Yvette Mimieux. No, I'm trying to think of uh, the guy from uh, Judgment at Nuremberg. Maximilian um, Schell. Maximilian Schell. Yeah, like a genius cast, and they really brought it every time. It was, yeah, the, the writing was a bit spotty, especially the idea that you go into a black hole and you don't die. Yeah. Well, this is the uh, thing. It starts out with a deep space probe. Uh, they get knocked off course and then they suddenly find this giant spaceship that turns out to be one of their predecessors the USS Cygnus and it's parked right near a black hole and it's not getting sucked in because they figured out some way to reverse the gravity and mind you this is a black hole where even light shouldn't be able to escape and yet here they are Uh, the truth about a black hole is that it's like any gravitational object it's once you pass a certain threshold that you're in trouble. Yeah. You can hang out outside a black hole. There could be a black hole, <laughs> you know, in place of our sun, and we'd be okay because, you know, as long as we don't cross the event horizon. Well, I'll just tell you this, that Neil deGrasse Tyson has gone on record to say this is the most uh, factually incorrect <laughs> science yeah. fiction movie ever well, made. hang out by a black hole. Yeah. You just don't go into it. Yeah. So, so, yeah. So, they find this giant spaceship. Uh, they... It it looks like a gothic castle, so it's kind of a it's kind of a gothic horror in that regard. And then it's taken over by Maximilian Shell, who's a mad scientist who, uh, spoiler, has killed all the previous crew and turned them into like uh, androids, robot slaves. Uh, yeah. Like yes. lobotomizes them and then makes them his slaves. And that's when they the the newbies come in and they start seeing weird shit like robots having uh, funeral processions. 
uh, and one of them's got a limp and all kinds of I, weird stuff. I loved that. It was so fucking dark. <laughs> yeah. The idea that they are all like, you know, slaves and broken. Yeah. And, uh, and so you get that and then slowly it dawns on the, the new crew that something is awry and this guy's not right. And then they have to do their escape. But basically the guy is going to fly through the black hole and come out the other side. That's his big plan. Yeah, uh, and then they have to like figure out how to leave before then, and then people start dying, and then shit gets real, and then uh, yeah, so it's uh, it's very dark for Disney. I think they that's when they were thinking that they could do more uh, adult leaning fare, and they kind of hedged on it because it's half of it's a kids movie, half of it is certainly not a kids movie. Yeah, there's it's a lot of grim death freaky. in this movie. Uh, well, it's so the first it, PG movie made by I, Disney. Which, apparently, when they showed it on the Disney Channel after that, they would they scrubbed all the dams and the hells. So, they, they even made, they, it, made it a G-rated movie. Did they leave in the part with Anthony Perkins getting killed with a drill? Yes. Yeah. Oh, with uh, Maximilian? The, yeah. the devil robot? Yeah. Yeah. Where they drill out his guts and yeah. then dump him onto a computer monitor that explodes? <laughs> exactly, like an yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. And then there's the the money shot when they're leaving because the thing starts getting hit by a meteor storm. And that's, I think, where all the $20 million budget went. They've got, like, that giant fireball meteor just rolling yeah, through the main. rolling at them. But it's yeah. coming through in such an obviously orchestrated fashion, like a bowling ball going down the gutter. <laughs> that I'm like, oh, come on, really? It's just rolling right down the tube. It's so <laughs> stupid. Uh, but then... You get all of like the meditations on good and evil and metaphysics and blah blah blah, uh, and it's very twenty thousand leagues under the sea where they're having lunch with Captain Nemo before he goes berserk and that kind of thing. And right, then because it is basically that it right? yeah, because uh, it's just a lot of talky talky. And then like the last twenty minutes is the actual action. But uh, the design, the visual design, is so gorgeous. Yeah. Like, well, that's where Disney put all their money in it. Because initially they were going to rent equipment from ILM, uh, but it was too cost prohibitive. And so they ended up making their own shit where they could basically do tracking shots across matte paintings and stuff. Yep. Uh, and so that's why you get that sort of weird uh, depth of field stuff, but it's still kind of dark. Uh, so it was they were I doing... They were doing stuff like ILM does, but just in Disney fashion, just repurposing it uh, for themselves. But I don't think it shows up in any other Disney stuff, does it? Well, I mean, shortly after that, we got Tron. So they kind of, you know, but I'm I sure guess that's other true. Disney stuff where this. Yeah. I mean, boy, though, whoever did the designs for Maximilian and Vincent and the Cygnus and, and all of that, I just, I freaking love the visual design of this movie. I did yeah. not. I did not like Vincent. I'm going to be totally on record. I, I, I thought. It, I, I mean, look. Yeah, the the eyes they give the robots are kind of cheesy, but at the same time, it makes me think in that universe, a designer trying to make a happy looking robot. I guess, but that's the thing. Voiced by Roddy McDowell, who's uncredited, and he's just like super chipper and, and this and that. But he's got a weird sadistic streak. It's fucking off putting. It's like he's in there shooting lasers in the with the other robots on the ship, and then like 
pings off a ricochet and shoots the other robot he's competing against, then he's like, oh, well, that's just the way the cookie crumbles. I mean, it's just like no remorse at all. It was so weird. Because he's like, there's a happy cat. That the kid, kid's movie. I guess. And then you got Slim Pickens as sort of the the earlier version, the the maintenance droid. Oh, Bob. Oh, Bob. And he's yeah, got like... He's like the mater of Black Hole. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> good one. But he's, yeah, like the, like the downturn eyes. And so it's like, did when they made these things, did they just know that he was going to be sad? I mean, it's just so weird. So I actually read that um, when they, they made the maquettes for this, that I don't know if it was the art director or the, or the actual director didn't like it, and he literally just hit the clay maquette with a bat until it looked like old Bob. Nice. <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but I like the story. Uh, well, I would like to add as well, side note, that it's the same director that did Freaky Friday for Disney. Uh, so there's that. <laughs> Not a bad film. Spawned a lot of reboots. <laughs> yeah. But can we get to the ending, though? Sure. Can we talk about this? Because it just takes this left turn out of nowhere where they go through the black hole and then dr reinhardt the mad scientist somehow merges with the devil robot maximilian mm-hmm. yeah. and then goes through the black hole and then for what i can figure winds up in a literal hellscape like a bosch painting yeah it's where like the, the black hole is, <laughs> is judgment yeah and so he literally sitting on like a rock precipice in the middle of this fire hellscape with all of the other robot droids sort of in the foreground as the camera like pans out and he's just lording over them i mean it's just so yeah he's like he's like simba on pride rock you know it's, <laughs> right. yeah it's the most it, metal image from disney in the 1970s yeah. Like, if I never saw this movie as a child, so I imagine if I did at the age of like seven or whatever, I might have shit my pants on that. It's, yeah, there's it's, no way it was kindergarten I wrote that because I was beyond <laughs> yeah, that by then. I yeah. saw it in the theater, and my reaction was, yes. huh? That was like, so you were just I was confused. Not scared. I was just okay. like, wait, what? Okay. Yeah. But I, yeah, it was like something weird happens in the black hole universe, I guess. Maybe we should explore that in a movie. Yeah. But yeah. Um, it was creepy though, and it was it looked beautiful. I mean, whether or not it made sense, you got to yeah. admit that looked just gorgeous. Yeah. Well, a couple of notes for me too. Uh, okay, number one, I kind of perked interest when the credits rolled, and I saw that John Barry did the music, guy that did did a lot of the the Bond movie stuff. Yeah, uh, that, but the, that overture theme like yeah. fucked me up as a kid. Like it's it's the scene of the you know the little computer graphics grid, but just yeah, it's very it is very John Barry, very much. It stuck in my brain though. And but for the most part, it's it you know it's very twenty thousand leagues on the sea, very forbidden planet, and it's really super dark. Again, I guess because they're near a black hole. Um, but whereas Star Wars is very bright and colorful and the sets actually look like, you know, they have a purpose like this one. Uh, that's where I diverged from, from you, Brian, is I just kept getting distracted by how cheap they looked like the, like the physical sets that they were on and like corridors and things. In fairness, I didn't have time to rewatch it. So maybe I, I'm just looking at it through nostalgia glasses, but I mean, you know, I I watched some clips on, uh, in preparation for the show and on my phone, they looked great. So maybe it's just that could be, uh, but I just was sort of like, uh, ho hum. Um, 
they were definitely shooting for like you know blackbeard's ca- bluebeard's castle like like yeah. old man in a castle yeah, I mean, I mean, they were definitely doing a gothic romance. Yeah, in exactly, space. exactly. And it doesn't stand up logically, but well, yeah. but what are you going to do? This is a movie where the fucking robot Vincent has some sort of telepathic connection with the woman. Yeah, <laughs> and they're like communicating telepathically. I mean, yeah. I could not reconcile that for the life of me through the entire thing. I'm like, are you kidding me? Come yeah, on, I didn't quite understand that either. <laughs> so uh, just like, oh, you're just setting up a lazy plot point for later when they need to get out. I mean, it's just, that's all it is, pure and simple. Uh, but it's just basically a lot of talking. Uh, it was way more Star Trek, the motion picture, which came out yeah. that same year. Yeah. It, it, where it's basically, they're trying to do 2001 scope mm-hmm. and not pulling it off at all. Uh, and that, and that was the thing, uh, you know, it was 1979. So, we hadn't even gotten to Empire Strikes Back yet, and Star no. Wars was still kind of a singular thing. And all these people who were trying to recreate it weren't necessarily studying Star Wars. They were studying 2001 or Fantastic Voyage or stuff like that. Yeah. Right? yeah. They, they didn't quite have it. They didn't have anything else on the shelf except what they came up with when 2001 came out that they ne- never produced. And then the next space opera comes out, and they're like, "All right, put that one back on." Yeah, yeah. In, in 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 that respect, uh, the first Alien movie, also 1979, and one of the most influential um, designs in science fiction, just in general, uh, is is incredibly visionary. You've got to give it mm. some credit, given given how everybody else was doing at that oh, point. Yeah, oh, I agree. Oh, yeah, I agree. It's that's that's why it doesn't count as you know for this show because yeah. it's actually quality but it also shows that people will take um realism over you know visuals or story it's like they 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 sort of hunger for a realistic view of the future i think that's why Ridley scott does so well with this stuff is that he's good at sort of imagining what the shit will really be like well for for the most part this looks good uh, for what they were trying to pull off uh, it just sort of fell flat for me. I mean, it just, I, they, I think they, they overshot just a little bit on what they were trying to do and then they had to reel it back in and then it became just sort of standard Disney fare for the most part. Uh, so it's an oddity yeah. to me. The black hole is just an odd movie cause it doesn't fit Disney, but it's really not anything else. Uh, I and think I just without rem- the black hole, though, you don't get Touchstone Pictures, you don't get Tron. That's, that's true. Like, this this was this was a breakthrough moment for Disney. Yeah, Black Hole is not a good movie, but when sort of measured against the rest of Disney, yeah, <laughs> that's it's pretty good, especially seventies Disney, right? It's pretty long and dry. I mean, no question. Yeah, but compared to. Pete's Dragon or um, the Cat from Outer Space. Yeah. yeah. Or <laughs> anything various, that Yeah, anything that vi- Kurt Russell did. <laughs> the Jodie Foster canon. Yeah. Uh, so I guess, but I was struck by like, this is 1979, so it came out in December of that year, so it's right on the cusp of the 80s, uh, but it's definitely a movie from the 70s. Yeah. I yeah. mean, there's no escaping that. So. Slow. <laughs> very slow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I don't know if I'd watch it again, honestly. But maybe I would. Yeah. Well, 
Probably not. <laughs> so and that about sums it up for yeah, so, uh, this round. <laughs> so none of these movies we would recommend because none of them are Star Wars. But That's, that was the point. Yeah. Yeah. You've listened is, to this podcast, therefore you don't have you are now excused from yeah. watching Space Raiders. Just, the I, black hole. I do feel the next time we do the uh, I can't believe it's not Star Wars, we have to do the prequels. <laughs> um, it's just I mean, a matter. I think of we're going to get there, but the way I see it, the, the first one was was what was a fandom menaced. This is Revenge of. I mean, this is Attack of the Clones. Attack of the we've Clones. Revenge of the shit coming next. Yeah. Right. So we got um, a whole thing going. There's no hope. Would be, I guess, the fourth one. <laughs> um, if we yeah. get that far, so you know, we yeah. love puns. Yeah, we do. <laughs> and if you love puns too, send us an email to magnificentlyhuge at gmail dot com. See what oh, I yes. did there. Uh, we and if we you love don't like puns. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> and send us an email to magnificentlyhuge at gmail dot com. And then yeah. And then we're also and on. You'll find us on the socials. The, we're on the Twitters, the we're Twitters, on Instagrams, the Facebooks, uh, all the things that haunt our elections. Yes. And uh, then we also have a website, magnificently huge at gmail.com. No, that's it's the email Mag-huge. address. Magnificently.com. <laughs> M-A-G-H-U-G-E.com. It's got all of the old episodes. So uh, go check out that previous yeah. not, not Star Wars episode. Links and things, uh, and then we've also got the show on pretty much wherever you want your podcasts. I mean, if you're listening to it now, you know where to find your podcasts, so that's where we are. And that's- give us ratings. Give us a five star rating on that podcast app. Don't even write a review. Just click the thing. Like, yeah. help us out. Come on. And if you don't like the podcast, let us know. We can improve. Yeah. As you said, this is uh, two years running now, and we haven't learned a damn thing yet. <laughs> we're stupid. <laughs> yeah, we're dumb. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>